Thanks for tuning in for Gospel Solutions for Families on the Mormon Channel. This show is all about offering practical, relevant tips for raising children in faith. I'm your host, Amy Iverson. Technology enables us to be forces for good in the world. We can use social media to share the gospel. We can more easily do family history work. Young women can do personal progress online, and we can always have the scriptures and general conference talks at our fingertips. But our high-tech world can also be a big distraction from relationships and other worthy endeavors in our spiritual lives. Elder M. Russell Ballard of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles spoke to this in a 2014 devotional for the church educational system. He said, handheld devices such as smartphones are a blessing, but they can also distract us from hearing the still small voice. They need to be our servants, not our masters. Joining me to talk about the good and the bad of technology and what we can do to help our kids make tech their servant and not the other way around is Heather Johnson, a family researcher and family and relationship coach. She has her master's from BYU, where for 14 years she's been teaching theories behind successful families and the importance of families. She and her husband have six children. Thanks for being here. Oh, it's great to be here. So in your line of work, I'm sure you see lots of ways that families are using technology for good things. How how can families use it for good things? Well, a number of them that you've touched on, uh, we see technology enabling us to be more efficient, right? To get things done faster, more efficiently. We see it provide us with the opportunity to connect with loved ones who don't live close. We couldn't have done that 15, 20 years ago. It was really hard. You excuse me, had to take a trip, go see them. Now we can connect on a daily basis. Even these little things make a huge difference in our lives each and every day. They can draw families closer for sure. We've got genealogy, all these things. Yeah. And I'm sure also that you see negative ways that it impacts families and children. You say you see a lot in children. What would you say is the most prevalent way that you're seeing technology hurting families? Well, we've got a lot here. When you think about toddlers, Toddlers are in a position where American Academy of Pediatrics has suggested for years that they not even view tech at all, right? No screens. No screens at all. Now they've changed that a little bit as the world has changed because they recognize that's that's impossible. So as they're trying to change things, they still recommend that we're really careful with how toddlers and our young children view and see technology. And a couple of the things that start to happen is when we have children who view tech too much, they struggle with their vocabulary abilities. They have a lack of ability to be creative and to imagine and create. All these things come into play. Uh, When we compare technology to simply reading, we've got some great things that come up. For example, if you think about when we show our children a movie, if they have a question during the movie and they ask us that question mid-movie, the first thing we do is shush them. We ask them to be quiet. And interestingly enough, even those types of interactions start to hurt our relationship, our attachment, because we've now just told our children that the technology, that the movie is more important than they are. Be quiet. It's exactly right. Now, now look at that in comparison to reading a book. If we're reading the exact same story, but we're reading it in book form and our son says, you know, mom, what does that mean? Or how do I, and ask a question, I don't shush him. I I stop. And when I stop reading, I answer his question. And oftentimes that then goes into a million other questions until we find our way back to the story. What I've told him then is that he's more important than that technology. It reminds me of these educational videos that were big when my kids were little and and people were worried because parents were just putting their kids in front of them Mm -hmm. and then going to do whatever, which sometimes you have to do. Absolutely. But their whole thing was, no, these are supposed to be a way for you to communicate, talk about what you're seeing. And so if we would do that, 
we would probably avoid a lot of these struggles that right. we're seeing. And remember, technology, just like we, we know technology is very good, it's just how we use that technology. When we look at our toddlers, again, if we start right from infancy, whenever they come to us with anything, it's an opportunity for to form healthy attachments. And so every time we use technology instead of engage with them, we've told them that they're not as important, which which hurts our attachment ability with them. When they come to us, they're essentially coming to us and asking, are you there? It's just the same reason a baby cries. It's really a cry for, are you there? And are you going to help me? And so toddlers don't develop those things. When they watch a lot of tech too, they start to lose their ability to, again, like I said, imagine and create. When they see the movie, they see what's going on. They don't have to envision what that might look like. When we read to them, take them outside, have those experiences. Now they have to decide what it looks like, what grass, tall, green. They have to create those things. So it affects toddlers. It starts to affect teens in different ways. Those things naturally are there, but some things that start to hurt them once they hit those preteen and teenage years, they have a really hard time feeling empathy. Now, this is a really scary one Mm -hmm. because empathy is necessary for healthy marriages and healthy families. If we can't put ourselves in our spouse's position or in our children's position, we can't know how to best serve and love them. So we need empathy. When they're constantly behind their phones, when texting is happening all the time, there's, there's no relationship, there's no empathy involved. So they lose that ability to develop that. They also start to struggle again when it comes to communication, when it comes to relating with other people. This is when their reputation starts to be at stake. They start posting things not realizing that they're ruining their reputation or hurting it. They have to be careful there. Teens also start to struggle with time management issues. Uh, Yeah, they have the ultimate distraction at their fingertips all the time. It's exactly right. And so they look at these things and they say, well, I'm sitting in front of a computer. It's good. It's helping me be efficient writing this paper. But I've also got Google yelling at me that chats are going on and my phone is going off and the music's on. So it makes managing their time really hard. So you talked about a lot of the issues with toddlers. And I want to just touch on one more thing, because you also said even with toddlers, that technology can cause contention, can cause animosity, even at a very young age. Absolutely. So we know, and research supports this very strongly, that excessive amounts of television, technology, phones, tablets, bring aggression in a home. Even if it's not like a violent video game, just anything. It's just aggression in general. And if you think about it, there have been times probably for all of us where our kids have been engaged in technology. And when it's gone too long and we ask them to turn it off, there's frustration and there's irritation. It's very hard for them to go from this very secluded world where they're in their own zone to now having to engage and be patient with a sibling or obey a parent or fulfill responsibilities. And this brings aggression. This brings frustration. Okay. So we talked about with the little ones, you talked about kind of that Mm preteen. To me, that's right when they're getting their phones, right? The 10 to, well, the average age is 10 now. So 10 to maybe 12 or 13 with the distractions. And then what about teenage years? It carries on. And you mentioned specifically texting and driving. Absolutely. And we're seeing that a lot. Uh, We're seeing the repercussions of that with people losing lives. But not just that, we're seeing our children not recognize the importance of what's happening in their life. They're not able to prioritize that driving is more important than a text message. It is. And so we've got to make sure that they understand that pattern and what's most important for them. The best way that we can start to safeguard or ensure ourselves when it comes to our children and technology 
is to put ourselves in a position where they know they can always come to us. And as we throw this in, it's something to remember right at the beginning. The best way to ensure, again, that our children make good tech choices is that they know they can always come to us. This is where we understand that relationships and trust are more important than technology. And I think, I've been seeing studies lately that kids acknowledge the fact that they are addicted. They do acknowledge acknowledge it, but then don't do anything about it. And parents oftentimes don't know what to do about it. Right. And we can see that addiction even as we get into the college years, as they leave high school, we are seeing that addiction have a huge impact on our children's ability to date. Uh, It's a huge complaint right now across colleges is that people no longer have an ability to have a face-to-face conversation because they've been texting and behind computer screens for so long technology. We also know that at this point in time, it becomes really hard, not just for them to relate to one another, but to then have those conversations where they communicate, where they work through difficult things. Uh, We know that at the MTC right now here in Utah, one of the biggest problems is that missionaries get in there and they go through tech withdrawals. And so we've got missionaries coming home because they can't function without a phone in their hand. Yeah, this is really kind of the first generation that was raised with this technology. Right. And I always feel like a guinea pig as a parent because no other parent has had to do it before. Right. And we're not sure how to do that, right? If we can start focusing, though, as we lead into kind of some solutions, we've got to recognize that the things that are most important and that never change are the relationships and the trust. That never changes. Technology will always be changing. And I think as parents, we start to worry, well, I need to learn the next app and I need to learn the next platform and I need to know. And yes, we do need to know those things. But more important, we've got to develop a foundation where we've set the standard for what a relationship and for what trust looks like as a parent and a child. That then means that no matter what app comes out, we still have the foundation we need to deal with it and to talk through it and to manage it. So we are going to talk about some solutions, but I wanted to go a little deeper into this issue that you say are, is happening across colleges, because this is one I hadn't really thought of. And I, and I talked to my teenagers about it. I mean, to suggest that they actually call someone is shocking to uh, Absolutely. They, they, I'll just text. Right. Just call them. Right. It's more immediate. I need to know right now. So, but now I see what you're saying that as they're starting to date, and I'm sure this maybe even happens in high school, right? but in college, we actually want them to mm-hmm. find somebody, right? right. And um, they're just, we're seeing this with both sexes. They just can't communicate. They, they just text. Is that what we're seeing? Absolutely. And so even to ask someone out, it's all through text message. To plan it, it's all through text message. The problem then is, is that they sit across the table to have dinner and without a phone in their hand, they don't know how to look at one another and have those conversations. The tricky thing there is that once they do start getting serious, there's a lot of conversations you need to have with someone before you decide to marry them, let alone for eternity. Yeah. And so if you're not having those conversations, then they get married and they're a little bit sideswiped because the important conversations haven't happened because they don't know how to have them. You know, it seemed like such a rite of passage when we were young for somebody to get up the courage to come up and talk to you and right. ask you out on a date. And they don't have to do that anymore. They don't. And so we can hide behind all that, right? And these are some other major problems we see from a very young age, from that 10, 11, 12. We can hide behind that. So our children aren't taught how to handle conflict You know, when you can text message, you can say a lot of things you'd never say in person. Mm -hmm. And so they don't learn the skills that they need to handle conflict, to have conversations, to communicate with one another. They're not quite sure how to do those things. I think sometimes parents think that these problems we're having with tech aren't that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. But when you look at it from that perspective, it is... A huge, the it, biggest deal. It, it is the, uh, the biggest deal. And remember, as parents, we're trying to raise responsible adults 
who grow up and, and contribute to society, essentially. We want them to have testimonies. We want them to have eternal families. We want them to work and preside with the Spirit. To do those things, they've got to develop the relationships they need because that's where those things come from. They don't come from phones. They don't come from tablets. So that's the next thing. A lot of the things besides the marriage that we've talked about are um, kind of worldly things, like mm-hmm. their education, their distraction. Let's talk about the serious spiritual problems that come when kids are always focused on a screen. Sure. Well, we've got a couple. You've got naturally the distraction again. And I found myself in this exact same position. I'll decide to go from physical scriptures and instead I'll decide to use my phone. Mm -hmm. And while I'm reading the scriptures, just as I'm where something is starting to make sense, or I've got a prayer in my heart to understand, I get a notification that something's come up or Mm -hmm. a text message or an email's come in. And naturally I want to click on it and go see what's going on. And so those distractions break up the spirit. They, they make it hard for us to stay connected long enough to feel what we want to feel or to make those connections. So that's one thing that we're starting to see really big. We also know that kids, especially those teenage college years, they start to rely more on their technology instead of the spirit. I know. Whenever I talk to groups about technology, I say, it doesn't say if he lack wisdom, ask Google. It's exactly right. right? So, exactly but, right. It, but that is starting to happen where when kids have questions about anything, maybe they're not turning to the spirit. They're turning to technology instead. Right. And, and we start to feel that technology has all the answers. Well, our Heavenly Father has all the answers and then some, right? That's where we need to be turning. And so when we start to rely on technology instead of the spirit, we start to lose that connection that we're trying to build and our children lose that connection. And we do it too. If we're not careful, we find ourselves in that exact same place. I think almost everything we're talking about with children applies to us as adults as well. Because uh, the other part of that is the instant gratification that we have. And I know you and I talked about that with toddlers, Mm -hmm. but we have it too. We all want instant gratification because we can find it so quickly on a phone. To wait for the spirit to answer us is sometimes... We can't imagine waiting that long or maybe longer than we want. So, Well, and that's the process we need, right? That's that's why we wait. That's what faith is. And so we lose the ability to develop that faith, to rely on the Lord, to have that process. I think these are great things for parents to remember when their kids say, who cares? What's right. the big deal? Right. You know, This is why. <laughs> right. So let's talk about, okay, so we've listed all these problems. Right. And I am a huge fan of technology. I champion technology. So, But sometimes it gets beyond us and it gets out of our control. And you said the very first thing, we're going to give parents these practical tips now. Right. But the right. very first thing is education. It, it is. seems basic, but I think a lot of us forget it. It's really important. So we're going to focus as parents on being mentors, not moms. Monitors. And it's kind of a catchphrase you can throw in your head, but we really need to mentor them. Monitoring has this idea that we're on the back end, right? We're constantly just hovering over, checking when we need to, checking in at night. Those things are good. Uh, we need to know what our kids are doing. We need to have precautions in place that safeguard them from pornographic sites, from things they shouldn't be doing. But if you think about what a mentor is, a mentor is someone who first has empathy and understanding. As parents, we need to recognize that our children are inundated by technology. It is not going anywhere. We need to be very empathetic to the juggle that they're trying to work through. And a mentor does that. Mentors take their experiences and they use them to teach. 
And that's something we need to do as parents. Instead of uh, putting our children in a position where we want them to naturally figure it out, we need to look at our experiences and teach them. We need to safeguard them and on the front end, recognize the pitfalls, the dangers, and educate them about those things so that they're not running into them instead of us finding them and then trying to fix it. I'm so a we big want to fan mentor. of, you know, having those contracts when you decide to give your child a phone mm-hmm. and, that you, and you can go through them and the rules that you're going to have and explain why. Some people never did that, though. And so if you have those older kids, you can still go back and say, you know what? I messed up. Absolutely. <laughs> we need to make some rules. Here. Sure, sure. If the rules aren't in place, decide right now to make them. But education goes further than rules. It goes further than monitoring. It goes further than anything. Oftentimes our kids get in trouble with technology because they don't know what the problems are going to be. They're not old enough. They haven't had those experiences. We have. We have the knowledge. So we need to empower them with the education that they need to know. This could get you in trouble. Saying that will hurt someone's feelings. This is not how you handle it. Don't ever click on these buttons. That's an education process. All right. So we want to do that first. So we have some steps for parents to take um, to turn it around if you're kind of in a bad place with your kids in tech or just to start if you are if you have younger children. Right. And the first one you say is just to decide that you're going to have a plan. It, it is. We have to have a working plan. Now, there's a lot behind this that's really cool. I call it being an intentional family. The idea of being an intentional family comes from a great deal of research uh, by a man with the last name of Doherty. He does a lot with families and a lot with couples. Really, an intentional family is a family that has a working plan. Now, a great analogy to help us understand this, if you've ever sat in a canoe, anything, any type of boat where you have to power it yourself, if you're to sit in a canoe with your family and you do nothing with the oars, Mm -hmm. we will find ourselves wherever the winds or currents take us. Unfortunately, the winds and currents in our lives and in the world are not necessarily positive things, right? And so we find ourselves going the wrong direction, beached amongst the rocks, amongst the reeds, going where we don't want to go. An intentional family has a working plan, which means they put their oars in the water and they get themselves exactly where they want to go. They decide where they want to go and how they're going to get there. So we need to be that type of family. When it comes to technology, when it comes to anything, we need to have an idea of how we're going to fulfill that process, how we're going to become eternal and the steps we're going to take. There's a couple ways we can go about it. The first thing I always suggest is to simply take a piece of paper, fold it in half on top of one column, write needs and on top of the other column, write values. Then sit down with your spouse or by yourself. If you're doing this alone and write down all the needs your family has and all the values your family stands for, what you want your children to learn and then start creating opportunities to teach and to fulfill those needs and values, to fill those things in. When it comes to technology, we often look at it as what do we need to take away? Mm -hmm. How do I need to limit? What do I need to stop? Yes. If we'll change that mentality and instead look at the things we can be doing proactively, it doesn't, it's very overwhelming for me to think, how am I going to keep my son, our son off of his phone and limit it to one hour? Well, instead, if I think about the things I want to be doing instead, that's a lot easier approach to take. Fill the time with something else. So you said that um, to make that working plan, there are four developmental needs that everybody has that that is what we should use to fill. Absolutely. So once you focused on your needs and your values and you put those down and you understand those goals, right, that working plan. We're going to start filling them in, and this just helps you do that. We have four basic needs through development. This is from children all the way to families. Children and families need touch. We need human connection. We need movement, and we need nature. 
So those four things really have a hard time existing with technology. Exactly right. (laughs) We really can't have both, right? Not in excess. We can't have technology in excess and still have those four developmental things start to happen. The cool thing about them is if you think it through, that really encompasses all that we need. We need nature. We need movement. We need touch and we need human connection. So instead of asking, what do I need to stop? Take those four areas with the needs and the values of your family to create a working plan and think through what are we not doing? And all of a sudden to mind will come the things that you can start doing instead. So for example, if technology is really prevalent and you look at nature, maybe you're not getting outside. Maybe your kids don't know what it's like to go for a walk to play at the park because technology has taken over. So start filling it in with things that provide nature in their lives. It's a developmental issue. Uh, When we look at human connection and even more so touch, we've got really great research that shows us children need to be touched eight times a day. It's like a magic number. Children who are struggling need 12. Now, when I know that and when I can kind of, you know, log that, I can say, am I reaching out to my kids? Am I putting my arm on their shoulder when I ask them questions? Uh, We have a 14-year-old son. When boys get bigger, you hug them a little bit less. He's taller than me and bigger than me. And do I reach out to him still? Do I give him a hug when he leaves? We can say, am I filling these needs? And if I'm not, how can I fill them more? We will find that by filling them, technology falls by the wayside. And we never had to make rules, rein it in, take it away. And I think there are other ways to, there's kind of like a middle ground. Like you could use your phone and go geocaching and use nature. Or you could, if you are reading a book, if you're going to read it on your tablet, still bring your child on your lap and talk to them, like you mentioned, instead of just zoning out. Right. And bring, bring the two together wherever you can. This is where we don't see it as a negative. If we think as parents that technology is negative, we are going to be fighting our kids we die. Mm -hmm. It will never go away. And it's only going to increase. And so we've got to see it as a positive and find the ways that it works with our life, works with our intentional plan, works with our goals and dreams instead of fights against them. Yeah. No, I like that because it will be a fight if you just say no tech. Okay. So I want to say those one more time, human connection, touch, movement, and nature. So analyze those. And then you said we have to find a way to tame technology because as you mentioned in the beginning, One of the beauties of technology is it helps us free up time. Mm -hmm. But the problem is we're not filling it with the right things. Okay. Right. So what happens is, yes, we are more efficient with technology, but once we're done and we have this extra time, what are we doing with it? We tend to fill it with more technology. Really, technology started with this desire to have more time to do other things, to be with our families, right? So it's, I'll get this done. I can work from home so that I can be with you. But instead, we don't do that. We work from home and then we do more work from home. And so we want to start to recognize that it's a drain on our lives. There's two principal drains when it comes to American families, at least. The first is time spent outside our homes. The fact is we want to be together more, but when we're constantly engaged in things outside of our home, those are individual pursuits that hurts our time together. Okay. The second one is technology inside our home. We have this false front, this misnomer that because we're all under the same roof, we're together. But because of technology, I'm on my phone. My husband's on the computer with headphones in. Our son is watching television. Someone's on the laptop. Someone's on the computer. Someone's listening to music on an iPod and nobody's talking to one another. Real connection happens when we communicate and we cooperate. And so we need to start doing things that take away these principal drains. The first thing we can do is we can carve time out by taming technology. If we could simply find 15 minutes a day, take it away from technology and apply it to our families, 
Research shows that that's a magic number for monumental things. 15 minutes a day of communication between parents, between a married couple, helps to ensure marital entropy, that our marriages don't fall apart. So maybe that's just the taking phones away at dinner or taking phones away an hour before bedtime or something like that. Sure. Very simple. Or when I get home, instead of checking my email, I sit down in front of my husband and we communicate about something. So we're going to carve that 15 minutes away. It's also a magic number when it comes to children. It's one of the best ways for us to connect with them. If we can give each child 15 minutes of individual attention a day, we see amazing things happen as far as their behavior, as far as aggression. It's, it's a really magic number. Now, the tricky thing is I'm sure that you and I can both find 15 minutes today that we'll waste on tech. Well, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> 15 minutes sounds like nothing. But it's, I wonder if we all sat down and kind of clocked how much time if we were doing. I mean, I don't know how much I'm spending right now, but 15 minutes doesn't seem like a lot. Right. And when you weigh out what's most important, our relationships or checking Instagram one more time, or Google or whatever it is, we would probably all say that the relationship was more important. Yes. So we're going to carve time out from technology and we're going to put it towards our families. The next thing we're going to do then is we're going to make better use of our time. There are times that we connect or could connect each day that we choose not to. So for example, like you and I talked about dinner, yeah. we're all going to eat, right? Most likely we're all going to put food in our mouths tonight. Why not do it together? Technology free, right? Uh, I know in our home, we, the older our kids get, the more I spend time I spend in the car, I spend mm -hmm. a lot of time, yeah. <laughs> a lot more time in the car. And so we have a rule in the car. There's no technology. We don't have, we don't have televisions in our car. Nobody's on their phone in the car. One, because I'm driving, but two in the back seat, kids aren't on, on phones anymore. It's an opportunity we have to make better use of that time. It's where I hear about their day. It's where we communicate. I can't tell you the number of difficult conversations we've had on four wheels mm -hmm. in a car. Uh, it's where we first address things like pornography. It's where we deal with friendship issues. It's where we deal with, you know, school and great in a car. That's why I always volunteer to drive my kids everywhere. Right. Because you, because learn you know more than you would ever learn anywhere else. Especially if their friends are in the car. Yes. You can learn all that. But we need to take a step back and again, not see it as bad, but recognize how can I take it away a little bit? And where should I put that time? Taking it away, we've got to then fill it with intentional things. And then let's make better use of the time that we have. We have it. We really, we don't think we do, but we do. We have the time. Let's put it towards the right thing. That's a hard one. And we're, I think parents need to work on it. But your last one, I think is the hardest of all for parents. And we don't want to admit it, but it's that we mm -hmm. have to be the model of the behavior for on tech that we want our children to have. Right. And that's first and foremost, if we're bad examples, they're going to learn from that. Right. If we have phones at the dinner table, then they're going to think they should have phones at the dinner table. If we can't go out with our spouse and have a conversation without our phones, they're not going to be able to go do that same thing. If they don't recognize that people and human connection are more important than technology and Google, they've got to see that from us, right? We've got to put first things first. That is a hard one. It is a hard I one. I know a lot of parents have the philosophy that, well, I'm an adult, so I can do it. But what kind of example does that set for your kids? It's exactly right. And why can't they say, well, I'm a kid? <laughs> why can't I do it, right? The mentality is exactly the same. Or, well, all my friends are doing it, so why can't I do it? But the fact of the matter is, we are the ones that set that stage for them. That's why this intentional family, this intentional plan is so powerful. We create the home environment we want to create. And it's 
it's never too late to do that. Well, and that's what I was going to say next. I feel like a lot of people could be listening going, oh, well, that would have been great if I had done that when my kids were five, but now they're 16 and I can't get them off their phone. Right. And so remember asking them to withdraw from a phone and then not giving them anything to replace it is going to leave them high and dry. They will go right back to that technology every time. So when we start to make those changes with kids that are older, where the patterns are not already in place and the boundaries haven't been set, be sure we understand that there's a need for us to then fill in those gaps. So once we say, get off your phone, it's exactly right. Turn off the computer. Well, okay. Well, I'll go watch TV. We can't watch TV. We'll put your phone. Go outside. What am I supposed to do? Right. (laughs) And the thing is, if they're in that pattern and they're, you know, 14, 15, 16, we can say go outside, but they haven't learned what to do once they get there. And so this is where we have to go with them. This is where we model when we go outside, we can do this and we can do this and we can have these experiences. So realize we're going to have to fill in those gaps for them. There has to come a point where they feel that the human connection and the experiences with family are more important than the technology that can only happen once we start making those connections. Yeah. Because in a way, you know, we're talking about how we teach our children Mm -hmm. to manage their technology. I feel like really this is all more about us Mm -hmm. as parents, because if we were doing that and if we were showing them that the relationship was most important, they may not have the issue. They won't turn to it. And the thing is, they're turning to that for that attachment. Remember the things that it provides them, it provides them the connection. It provides them the the human interactions. We want them to have them in real life though. So if we're not having them in real life with our kids, they're going to go somewhere else for them. And that's where they're going to find them. But unfortunately, they're very tainted online. Well, this gives me a lot of hope because I think um, you just saying it's not too late. We always need to try and that we need to be the models and to remember that technology is from God. It is. It is. And it is so good. It is so powerful. Let's show our kids how it can be used in a good way and the power behind it. Let's show them all the good things. It's it's from Heavenly Father, just like everything else. So it's just deciding which side to sit on when we use it. Thank you so much, Heather. I appreciate it. That's some great practical and relevant tips on helping our kids make tech their servant and not their master. From family researcher and family and relationship coach, Heather Johnson. Thanks for joining us today and tune in next time. Gospel Solutions for Families on the Mormon Channel. Subscribe to the podcast on mormonchannel.org, the Mormon Channel app, or on iTunes.